0: Doug, I'm going to do my very best, but I want to just, I want to slow this down a little bit and set the bar significantly lower than what Johnny or uh, Clayton had already offered us this morning. So uh, I don't have that level of energy. I'm one of those grandparents uh, that Clayton was talking about, but I like to think that. Uh, You know, in Johnny's world, I'd be at his CrossFit box. Like, I do CrossFit four times. I'm the before pitcher. I've always been the before pitcher on every CrossFit advertisement. But today, I want to talk to you a little bit about what I've been hearing in the last couple of years in in the church world. And uh, my context really revolves around church planting, new campuses, new churches. Um, But it also devolves right back into developing new disciples and leaders in the church that turn around and produce and reproduce more disciples. So um, I want to kind of uh, just talk to you a little bit about that. I'm going to share my screen as I use some uh, content here. This is all borrowed content. None of it is, uh, is new to me. <laughs> I'm not that smart. Um, so I want to just like talk about these barriers to multiplication. And I know you can see my, my whole screen, but that's fine, because that's what I'm going to need to do this content here. We'll share some of this uh, as we go along. Uh, a couple things that uh, you've done already. Hopefully you've taken the survey. We've asked three questions. What are the barriers? What barriers do you have to reproducing disciples, what barriers do you have reproducing leaders who reproduce disciples and what barriers do you have to reproducing churches and campuses so in, in my mind, a lot of things that I work with internally in the church and externally uh, with other churches and networks deals in these questions, um, because what I, I would believe that it the reproducing disciples and reproducing leaders is the foundational essence of what we do, and actually, I just had a conversation with one of our HR uh, staff people uh, yesterday. I said, like, why don't we have that as the first two things on everybody's job description instead of these other tasks that we lay out um, uh, and, and whatnot? So here, uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna go through the survey results here in just a moment, but those are the questions that we asked. Uh, you to answer. What I want to kind of lean into right now is why do we ask this question about barriers? And and honestly, here's the reason why. In 2019, approximately 3,000 Protestant churches were started in the U.S., but 4,500 Protestant churches closed. Uh Like we're losing. Uh, our friend Jim Toon, uh, you know, he said at one point that we we were no longer the home team. The home team like, would take the field at the start of a, a game and get cheered. We, we're not, the churches church is not getting cheered. We're not the whole team anymore. And the biggest reason for churches closing is the decline in church membership. A poll, a March poll from Gallup found uh, fewer than 47% of Americans say they belong to a church uh, or any religious uh, institution, down from 70% in 2000 itself. So like we're in decline. And a lot of what like what, what Johnny was talking about, and I saw a lot of heads nodded, we have an opportunity that is unique in history, coming out of the pandemic, that, that like people like the way people have kind of changed their worldviews uh, in very many positive ways and probably some very negative ways. Give us a platform to provide you know the the worldview that God wants us to express to them through His Word. So, a couple things here that uh, uh, we'll talk about. And uh, this is this is the uh, the idea of the five levels of churches. So I imagine that many of you have heard about what this is. Um, this comes from discipleship.org, and there's a number below. We'll send out this uh, um, uh, PowerPoint. It's not a PowerPoint; it's a Google Sheets. But the idea that uh, there's a free resource down there on becoming a level uh, five multiplying church that you can get as well. But uh, level level one churches are best described as church leadership does not see in any meaningful way the imperative to make disciples and if you're that church you or uh if you're not that church you know churches like that that have been in decline for a long time the very best they get is through uh addition to their uh, church through uh birth Uh, As Clayton's trying to grow his church uh, through his marriage seminar and those thin walls, I'm not sure how that's going to work at the camp, but he's growing his church that way as well. So uh, that's one area that uh, one level of churches that we can talk about. Level two churches. This is a church that is unfocused. Leaders may want to learn about discipleship making or discipleship itself. They typically, uh, they will typically be focused on the past or keeping the current attenders of the church happy once again we probably know churches that are just like that um that uh, these are churches that are struggling for a long time there uh, whether it be the elders or uh, the generation that's really in charge of that church is just isolating that church from any potential growth or reproducing itself uh, at all level three this is where kind of like a bulk of churches that i have a conversation with kind of land. um and, and here's the, what identifies them. They, they bred a dependence that the church and the programs that's conducted by the leaders and the staff uh, to make disciples, uh, individual disciples, everyday members do not make disciples. And this is where a lot of churches land. They, they depend on the staff to be the primary uh, interface with, with new visitors, with the community. Uh, or any sort of outreach uh, that they're dealing with. Uh, level four churches, leaders are living out discipling relationships and advocating them for the entire church. And so the, your, your church staff, you may identify here really well that they are all about reproducing leaders. But you know that uh, you, your, your church cannot, and your staff cannot work uh, hard enough to impact all those that attend at the church like it takes it takes a village it takes a community you know it takes the entire church working towards that and ultimately that's what a level five church is it is a, it, it is where churches has a movement of disciple making this this idea that it is part of every conversation and you've probably have had and listened to churches that have a vision talk or they have this they talk about multiplying disciples they talk about creating new leaders and training new leaders to turn around and to raise up uh, new disciples themselves or being a, a, a multiplying church that's multiplying at every, every level, including new campuses, new churches, and they're helping to do that, taking members of their congregation and helping them identify that, that they too can plant churches. They can be involved and they're called to be involved in the lives of people all around them to introduce them to who Jesus is. And this is what a level five, and there are so few level five churches where this—it's just so clearly evident in the life of the church that disciple making and making new leaders who make disciples. This idea of multiplication or reproduction is absolutely part of every single thing that they do. To the point, uh, over the last couple of uh, years, like we've been hearing that our staff are too busy to be able to to do discipling, or they're too busy. To raise up new leaders and have those new leaders turn around and raise up leaders, which is just, it's got to just, you know, it's almost like infuriating that that's the place that we've actually created for our staff. They take them out of the role that they're most gifted for, uh, that they're most called for. And it's really the Great Commission. And we've created all these other ancillary responsibilities around them that just prevent them from uh, carrying out the mission that God has given us. So the question is, here, is this idea of where are you at? What are the barriers? If if you are convinced that your church uh, mission is to create, is to make new disciples and is to raise up new leaders uh, who will make disciples, and then to multiply your church and your expression so that we, we begin taking ground with new congregations and new churches impacting their communities, then this kind of, this little map of multiplication kind of should speak to you. You can see where it simply says that you create new disciples who become new leaders, who turn around and create new disciples. And out of that comes a, an opportunity to, to plant and, and new churches, new expressions of your churches through campuses, new locations, Micro churches, there are so many great models that are out there that are reaching people. Um, Even the the online, we talked a little bit at the beginning of the the meta churches and stuff like that, that are going out there that I just don't understand. But talking to people, they're they're reaching people that no one else is reaching with the gospel. And this idea of networks, creating, reproducing and multiplying networks. um, I just got back from Exponential and I had a lot of conversations with people who are really interested in planting new churches or uh, in, in taking ground for their communities. And, and ultimately it comes down to this, that um, one church, like 242, you know, we have seven campuses, but where our campuses are located, one campus cannot affect change in the community. It's gonna take a network of churches working together to create change in the community that points people to the gospel. One church can't do it. There can be many different expressions, but this idea of creating a network, working with friends, being friends on mission uh, is such a powerful vision. And it's just, it it creates a sustaining model for creating new Uh churches that are interested in raising up new leaders, that are interested in creating new disciples. And ultimately, then it just morphs into a movement of churches. And, you know, we, we already understand what a movement, like a restoration movement looks like in our tribe and I think that this is what just gets me really excited as I talk to a lot of different church leaders who don't have any of this they don't they don't have a history they're non-denominational or their denominations have just stopped and they're, they're hungry for this type of level of networking so it's just it's really good so here here's the uh Renee could you bring up the survey results for us please Okay, everybody should be able to see him, right? And I'll just kind of scroll down as you talk about him. Yeah. So we have a lack so what we're seeing is let's look for those that are kind of the highest right now. So we see a lack of urgency within churches that are that's identified. Now I'm not sure if there's a lack of urgency in you or if that's a lack of urgency urgency in your leaders, your congregation. I'm not sure where that lies, but that we can talk about that. Time. You know, 26% of you said that time is a barrier. Like what else are you doing um, that uh, you can stop doing that that does not result in multiplication of new disciples? Like think through that, help your staff and then lack of defined process. Have we not all been chasing the, what the, what is the right discipleship model? I mean, for, for 20 years I've been hearing about discipleship models and uh, how to uh, proceed with those. So, So those are, those are really good to, to, uh, to think so lack of urgency, time, and, uh, and models to look with. Okay, next question. Oh, It scrolls down, doesn't it? Oh, let's do it that way. Yeah. All right. Once again, time really high reproducing leaders. Um, which doesn't it sound counterintuitive? If you don't have enough time to reproduce leaders because you're too busy, but you need leaders to take things off your plate so you can be more successful at what God's called you to, but you don't have time to do it. Can you see how this is? creates a circular argument that could just kind of cause you uh, to be crazy. But what's interesting here as well is that how low congregational resistance and leadership resistance actually is on on these results, which is really kind of interesting because in the past I've heard um, from a lot of churches that we've worked with that this survey, those rank a little bit higher. Time is of the essence. And once again, lack of a defined process. So what do you do? How do you raise up new leaders? Um, things like that. So that's really interesting. interesting. And then uh, the church planting, lack of urgency, lost vision, leadership resistance, um, lack of defying process, finances, and identifying and developing church leaders. These are all really common barriers that we see whenever we're dealing with Church planting. So let me let me kind of uh, bring this back. I, I'd love to uh, kind of ask these questions of you. Um, I'm going to drop this screen and go back to the full screen so I can uh, pay attention to what people are saying. Drops information to the chat as well. Let's do this. All right. So tell me why do these these barriers that you identified? How did they come about? Where where were they? How did they establish themselves in the, in the, the tradition or how, do they, how are they present in your church? And just start with the disciples, raising up disciples, when we talk about the sense of urgency. Why is there not a sense of urgency in your church to, to multiply or reproduce disciples? I think some people lost their drive at the church that I'm at. I've got a lot of older people. I came in as an intern pastor, uh, but they're getting their motivation back because of my energy. You know, uh, I come in with great energy, excitement, uh, never come in with a negative attitude. So they're like they, they're vibing off that energy, you know. So I think sometimes it's how we come in because we got so much on our mind. <laughs> Uh, being in this position I've had a lot of Sundays that I've came in just get tackled by so many different things but I think sometimes it's just the energy sometimes people get kind of laxed comfortable in the positions they're end yeah would anybody agree with, with the idea that uh there there is no better um witness for the power of Christ in someone's life than a than a brand new believer and as, as we grow older, we grow more mature, we gain more wisdom, we forget the power of Christ, the difference that Christ made in our lives when we first discovered who he was. And just like that vision and that power, that's a that's a message that, you know, I, should be repeated all the time. You know, so so dig into this a little bit for me. Um like, where does the urge, it, does it rest with you? Is the lack of urgency with you or is it with your congregation? Mm-hmm. I got to one o'clock, come on people, work with me here. Well, this is Cedric from uh, New Orleans to uh, Louisiana. I think everything rise and fall upon leadership. Um, and I think it first starts with us, with the leaders uh, of the congregation. My congregation is, is basically young. I have a lot of youngsters. When I say young, I guess from 35 on down. Um, but I think uh, you know, it, motivation and anything like that starts with uh, starts with the leader. Leader has to have a lot of zeal, and uh, the congregation normally follows. But in in my congregation. My members think it's just the leader's responsibility and not theirs. So I'm trying to share with uh, my members that it's all our responsibilities uh, to make disciples. Mm -hmm. I I think that's exactly, uh, you know, what your people need to hear. And I imagine that's what all of our people need to hear as well. This idea that uh, we just hire professional evangelists who go out and, and just spread the word and hope that they respond through a, uh, you know, our character, our celebrity, our presence, our teaching, whatever it might be, is just, a, is just a losing proposition. And that's why churches are closing at the rate that they are closing. And churches are starting, you know, but, but those churches are only, again, about 67% traction for after five years. Like they're, they're, they don't have a sustainability either. That sense of urgency just does not really exist. Um, well, let's ask a couple questions here about raising up new leaders. Um, what are the pain points? What, why are why are you not able? Why is your church, your staff, why is your congregation reluctant to either become leaders or, or or get involved in the mission of the weekend or beyond the walls of the church? Why are they reluctant? put it in the the chat that, um, I think microwave mentality and what I mean by that is, um, it's obvious we live in a world where we could get pretty much anything right now, you know, and, um, we kind of take that into the church perhaps with this idea of, you know, we could just stick somebody in the microwave and in two minutes they turn into a disciple or a leader. And the reality is we find that that doesn't work. And so I think part of it is, um, it just takes a lot of work to develop a leader and discipling. And um, I don't know if we're willing to do that um, because everything else is so quick around us. So I think maybe that plays uh, into it a little bit, Bob. Yeah. I, I think that even, even the idea that we, in the, in the poll, we talked about, is there, do you have a, is a barrier not having a defined process and ultimately like For many of us uh, who are kind of task-oriented, those Enneagram 8s, if you want to confess to that in your life as uh, sin, this, this idea that you know we need to have uh, a spreadsheet, we need to have a list of to-dos, we need to line this up, and that's how we're going to go about our, our leadership or a discipleship process. And ultimately, when it comes right down to it, how do, we, how do you disciple people? How do you raise up new leaders? What's the very first thing that you have to do with, with people in your congregation. We have to talk to them. We got to get to know them and we have to talk to them where they're at. And I think that's like what Johnny's doing with CrossFit and some of his other uh, businesses and enterprises that he's doing in the church. He's bringing people in. We do a similar thing at 242. Um, I know Jimmy McLeod, I'm looking on, on, the, on the screen here. I mean, his Jimmy's uh, First Church, his ministry to special needs adults is absolutely just, it, it, it breaks my heart. Uh, of these groups that are excluded from churches but what Jimmy's doing to bring them into the church to make them to make them part of the church and to welcome them as a fully fledged member and, and vibrant essence of the church I, I love that it's, it is just so good um, but then the, but there's barriers to that and we need to think through that urgency or that process and if, if you have to have a process this is an opportunity to sit down and think through what you don't have, and what you need. And not just dwell at we can't, or just you know, dwell on the idea that um, because I, there's a lack of urgency, I have to work on that first, or, or this, that, you know, you know, what comes first. But ultimately, you know, it's, it's my prayer for this group here that um, the, the street that's in front of your church, that when you go out there and you look at the cars that are driving by, that you look and you see in those cars, you see dead people, people who are lost, people who have no hope in, in, you know, in in, in a life with Jesus Christ and no hope in an eternity. And those are the, that's your congregation out there. They don't know it yet, but that's your mission field. And that's the vision that has to go out into the community and, you know, in your congregation. And, you know, it really, Clayton's conversation with the kids and what's going on with students, just if that doesn't cripple us, and I think of, I think of my grandchildren, three years old and six years old, you know, Kana and Andrew. Just this idea, this is the life that they are being brought into. If I, I, I have my first reaction is to isolate and protect them, but then my my true reaction should be to help raise them and have them trained up to follow who Jesus is in a way that changes generations around them so uh, what I'd like to do is is through this I would love for you guys to think through that survey and uh, Renee somehow we can put that with the, with the uh, the, uh, the PowerPoint as well so you can see where people are landing and what's going on in your in your congregations what people are talking about, and then find like what's most concerning for you. And then with your staff, like this is just kind of a primer. It, this takes a, a little bit longer, but just have a conversation with your staff about or your elders or your congregation. Like how can, how can this barrier, how can we defeat this barrier in our church so that we can be more about the business of the great commission that Jesus gave us to find people who are far from God, introduce them to Jesus, watch them respond through baptism, and then just train them to turn around and help the next person. If we do that, then I really believe that like all the other things of new church work, new pastoral staff, new leaders raising up, communities change will just fall into place if we take care of the basics, those two pillars of the the church. So Um, we're going to come back again, I think April 12th. And because I've given you homework that really my expectation is that you're not going to do any of it, but I'm going to hold this to you. And if you didn't, you get an appointment with Dr. Wes, that's the way it works. And he's going to chew you out. And like, if you ever heard him get mad at people, watch out. So here's the deal. Spend some time with your staff. Talk about the barrier that you see for either developing new disciples developing new leaders, or maybe just what it looks like to be part of a church planting effort and why you can't do that. And just kind of begin to knock down some of those barriers and have a conversation about some, some action points that you can take over the next year. And we'll come back in the 12th, and we'll talk more specifically about that. So um, I'm not sure if there's any uh, comments that, are, uh, that I need to respond to, but... Uh, happy to have conversations offline um and and really just encourage you as someone who did like this like ministry is my second career like renee said like i was a police officer first which you know you know there's uh you know um i think don's still on this call as well i get the best job we ever had but ministry is great (laughs) but the idea is that uh watching you guys um, be successful at breaking down those barriers so that more people can come to Christ and there's less and less dead people and lost people driving by your, your church every week. That's the mission. That's a mission we've traded our lives for. And I think that uh, it's a hard mission and, and we have to work at it every day. It's a blessing. It's an opportunity. So that's my spiel. And uh, if you want to have a conversation offline, I'd love to do that, but we're going to come back on the 12th and we will go over your homework about the conversations you have with your staff or other churches in your region and networks about how you can be more effective at breaking down these barriers to reach more people for Christ.